I'm Lauren Schwartzman, and you're listening to the Poshcore Podcast. I can't remember where I first heard the statistic that 80% of Peace Corps volunteers meet their significant others during service, but that number was planted in my mind well before I arrived in Washington, D.C. in February of 2013. I joined my fellow trainees in a hotel for a brief afternoon of orientation before flying to Panama the next morning. As I took a seat among my cohort in the conference room where we were assembled, the statistic, 80%, popped into my head. I scanned the room. With the exception of one older woman, everyone looked to be in their 20s. 50 reasonably intelligent, healthy, idealistic 20-somethings. Naturally, I wasn't the only person sizing up the prospects. But it only took a glance to see that among the 50 of us, only about 10 or 15 were male. One of the men at my table had his arm around his wife. With the consideration of sexual orientation, it didn't take a mathematician to figure the bleak odds for a heterosexual woman like myself. Forget about that, I told myself sternly. That's not what you're here for. Besides, surely you won't go two years without meeting someone. But I did go two years without meeting someone. And as the months went by, I couldn't help but wonder how many other volunteers, particularly women, shared my experience. Three women in my group lived close to me. One seriously dated a Panamanian from her community for nearly two years. Another had many brief relationships with men from neighboring towns and the regional capital. The third, who preferred women, had a secret relationship with a young Panamanian woman and later a brief stint with another volunteer. While many of their experiences were positive, many were stressful and upsetting. Still, I began to feel some embarrassment about being single in addition, of course, to the loneliness and frustration that accompanied it. My friends told me to lower my standards. In fact, I often wished I could. But for me, that always took the enjoyment out of the whole affair. That's just how I'm wired. And so, with the exception of a couple alcohol-infused encounters so common in Peace Corps and so reminiscent of college, my two years passed full of growth and formative experiences, but empty of romance. Sometimes I was at peace with that. Sometimes I resented it. Either way, I've had to come to terms with that particular reality of my service. I wanted to find out if I was the only one who struggled with these conflicted feelings. In this episode of the Poshcore podcast, I speak with other volunteers about their experiences, and I try to explain my perspective while on a date back here in the U.S. I spoke with Alan Toth about his first Peace Corps relationship. Alan thinks dating in Peace Corps is not always a good idea. You know, about 60% of Peace Corps volunteers are female, and that can set up a particular dynamic within Peace Corps groups as far as dating is concerned, but that was not the case with your group. That was not the gender balance with your group. No, and I was expecting it to be mostly women, and in fact, that was one of the things I was excited about, was that it was going to be... (laughs) 60 to 70 percent female and you know 20 to 30 percent male but my group had 30 men and 20 women Um, and our group did have the representative number of gay volunteers um, but the rest of us were heterosexual or you know beyond the age where they actually wanted to date Um, but it also set up this sort of pairing aspect where people pretty quickly started pairing off and that started happening during training Yeah, I think it did, and it kind of happened on the sly. Like, people didn't talk a lot about it, 
Um, I actually started dating somebody from my language group. Um, and I noticed that a lot of other people started dating someone from their language group. And I think I figured out that we were going to be placed close to each other in South Africa. And so I made this very logical decision, I think, where I was, I was actually interested in a couple other people more than I was interested in the person in my language group. But I ended up pursuing the person in my language group because I had the feeling we were going to be close together and so it would be more likely to work out. What name are we using for her? Her South African name was Figile. We're going to use that name because okay. she doesn't care to be referenced in anything having to do with me. So. Okay. <laughs> How far away did she live from you? Her site was about 10 kilometers from mine. So every weekend, either she would visit my site or I would visit her site. And so for the first year of my service, that was pretty much how I spent every weekend, you know. Mm. On the one hand, that was nice because like when you're a new into a village you've got to be this perfect volunteer this person who's always excited and always happy and ready ready for anything and when you're with another american from your culture you can sort of let your guard down and just like be yourself but in other ways i remember missing out on things in my village or with my host family or not hanging out with people who i wanted to hang out with because i was needing to go to Figile's village to visit her. And I even remember at one point, like, my host brother was driving me in the tractor to catch a taxi. And we were talking about stuff, and I was like, oh, my host brother's really cool. We should find time to hang out. And I was literally was like, no, I really don't have time to hang out with my host brother because I'm going to see my girlfriend. It's too bad, but I just don't have time to integrate in my village because of this relationship. Mm. And so I really had to, like, redouble all my socializing efforts in the village. And that was pretty much my second year. My second year was just socializing for the most part because I really had to make up for lost time. And so I would really recommend to people don't get into a relationship early on in Peace Corps. But in your first, especially six months, I think you should just be dealing with the difficult job of trying to integrate into your community and trying to understand it. Because I had to do that much later. And so that really made my second year look much less productive because all I was doing was trying to actually get to know people. Take Alan's warnings with a grain of salt. He did end up marrying another Peace Corps volunteer that he met in South Africa. I wanted to talk with other women who had dated during Peace Corps service. I spoke with Brianna and Kate a few weeks ago. Okay, well, let's just start by, um, I'll have each of you introduce yourself by stating your name and where you served and what years you served there. Sure, um, I'm Brianna T. Fouts. I served in the Dominican Republic from 2008 to 2011. I'm uh, Kate George. I served in Ukraine from 2005 to 2007. I basically wanted to start out by asking what your pre-Peace Corps expectations were, if any, about dating in the Peace Corps relationships with other volunteers, host country nationals? Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of showed up with not that many expectations in general about Peace Corps, but during the first few months there, I developed this idea that I was going to be like a nun for two years, essentially. Um, I was kind of worried about that, but I thought, oh shit, maybe that's what we... Uh, <laughs> What we signed up for. Yeah, I think I was similar. Like, I went to Peace School right from college, so I just, like, applied in college, wasn't paying attention, and then, like, all of a sudden, there I was in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't think I had thought 
I think maybe I had thought more on the nun side, but also just, like, hadn't really thought about right. it. Right. Did they say anything to you guys at staging about it, or do you have any thoughts about it at staging? I remember, like, you know, looking around at my fellow mm. trainees and being like, who's interesting? And one of the oh, reasons yeah. why I came to that thought about, you know, oh, no, I'm going to be a nun for two years was just because when I first got there, there wasn't anyone that I was really interested in or was really vibing with. So I, you know, just thought, okay, this is not you know, what this is going to be about. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's not why I came here. I think Mm -hmm. also for me, like, I looked around and I'm interested in men and there were like 10 men out of 50. (laughs) (laughs) And half of them were in relationships. I was like, oh, well, there goes that. (laughs) Yes, that was my experience also. Um, Yeah, I think when I got to staging, it also seemed like, you know, we're all a bunch of like 20-somethings meeting each other and everyone was kind of like sizing Mm -hmm. each other up a little bit, trying to figure out like who was already dating someone Mm or... Um, but it was really funny because we were standing in a circle for one activity and the woman who was running our staging comes out of nowhere with, you know, like a lot of Peace Corps volunteers date each other and end up marrying each other. So your partner could be in this room right now. And I was like, what? And, you know, yeah, I would say, you know, uh, it was the same sort of ratio Mm -hmm. of like 10 men out of, or 10 or 15 men out of. 50 and so if you're a heterosexual female you're kind of like lady do you see this (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I can definitely relate to that our country director did mention some crazy statistic that like might have been made up about like the percentage of people who meet their significant others specifically in the DR when they're in Peace Corps it was I mean like over 50 (laughs) percent so that actually changed expectations for a lot of people (laughs) Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've heard numbers thrown around oh, like yeah. that. And they're definitely, I mean, I've looked into it, and as far as I can tell, they're completely made up. <laughs> but they do change expectations, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, they affected mine. I kind of thought maybe I wouldn't, be, like I said, meet somebody. Yeah. So we had these two wonderful uh, nurses uh, in Peace Corps, and they, during our training time, were all about... Uh, safe sex. They came around to every group and had us practice put condoms on <laughs> bananas and all of that good stuff and just talked about uh, being safe, touching each other because it's important as a human to be hugged and be touched, uh, but not a lot about dating that I can recall. What about you, Brian? I think there was a lot of talk about that, but it was, it was pretty common and it was very common to date, you know, host country nationals, Dominicans, and then I feel like just about every volunteer who came to speak to us in training mentioned their dating experiences. <laughs> so it really, I think it really set the scene for like, oh, this is kind of normal, acceptable. And yeah, I agree. Like when you're in your early, mid, late 20s, that's like what many of us are doing regardless of where we are. But also, I remember a friend of mine who was a couple years out kind of being like, I kind of wish I hadn't dated Peace Corps. Mm. What did she have to say about that? I think she just felt like it was sometimes distracting to her overall experience. And the dynamics of dating someone in your sight change how people think of you. And so it it just changes the perspective uh, and and can be, you know, very emotionally draining in an already, like, emotionally draining experience. I asked Kate more about her experience in Ukraine. So how soon after getting to country did you meet someone that and, and want to date them and start dating them? Um, I think it was about four or five months. Okay. That you were in your state? 
Uh, no, in country. So after okay. you know a month or two at my site, mm-hmm. um, I finally stopped going to sleep at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> took uh, my host brother up on his invitation to go out with his friends mm-hmm. and, you know, to the uh, House of Culture disco. You know, as part of the former Soviet Union, every town had a House of Culture and all of those houses of culture would have a disco on the weekends, and that's where young people would go out, although my students would be there also. Mm-hmm. So kids as young as 11 or 12 are at these things drinking beer, and I'm sitting there quietly having an aneurysm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so like going out in big groups with younger people is like a thing there, and if someone likes you, they'll come over and ask to like talk to you alone. But you would talk in view of other people then everyone would be watching you while you're while no you're pressure. doing it no junior pressure high. it is it felt very much like junior high um and so i eventually met someone there that i did date on and off when i was there uh and so he eventually came over to me and asked to go to go chat what was the name of the person that you met in your site uh victor victor Okay. He worked for one of the lumber companies in the area. There was a big forest mm-hmm. near where we lived. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And so how was that experience? You know, it was definitely a formative experience of my early, uh, you know, 20-something life in general um, and changed my service a lot, I think, just in terms of, you know, getting to know someone really well. And I learned a lot about, you know, Ukrainian culture through dating someone. Um, I think if I hadn't continued to date someone, there are certain things that I just wouldn't have wouldn't have learned or understood. Like what can you think of? Um, I think a lot of the expectations on him to get married, have kids. You know, because I was in a rural area, people were likely to kind of get married much younger um and yeah victor eventually got married to someone while you were there yeah whoa at the end of the time that i was there after we stopped seeing each other and victor got married that was it's a small town Mm -hmm. that was very awkward Mm, yeah you're already kind of like in a fishbowl and under a magnifying glass Mm -hmm. and breakups are hard enough yeah and then to have everyone Mm -hmm. kind of be like right What's Kate doing? But they're doing that a lot anyway. It was very hard to tell sometimes what what reason are people staring at me today. <laughs> Here's Brianna. Things vary. Dating varies a lot in the Dominican Republic according to like where you are. And this, I think, was even different from some of my friends who were in cities. But I was in a fairly rural site that was um, probably about half the town was evangelical Christian. So pretty conservative. And so, as you were talking about dating, I was like, what was there dating? (laughs) In, like, our (laughs) definition of the word, right? Mm -hmm. And I think for teenagers there were, like, you could have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And for people who were involved in the church, in the evangelical church, there were people who were, like, they did kind of, they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and then they were um, kind of promised to each other, you know, kind of engaged so there was not a lot of, like, casual dating. 
And then as far as um, host country nationals approaching you, what was yes. that like? <laughs> <laughs> that happens a lot in in the Dominican Republic. Men for for all women are you know pretty forward about what they're thinking, and um, so that certainly happened. There's also a dynamic, whether it's true or not, can be debated. But there's a kind of culture and belief. I think among Dominicans and Americans who are there that a lot of Dominican men marry American women. There, I mean, there are like reggaeton songs about it, <laughs> about like marrying American women oh. or getting visas to go to the U.S. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's literally a, a reggaeton song about, about getting, like meeting an American to get a visa and going to the U.S. But then when I spoke to most people about it, like, a lot of people didn't want to come to the U.S. A lot of, you know, like right. I said, my, my friends who married people in the DR, like, many of them stayed down there. But it the the kind of general thought or belief, I guess, was always there. So I think that also kind of influenced what people thought about me, especially initially. Like I mentioned, I was in a very evangelical conservative site. So I also still needed to, like maintain my reputation and I really and I worked with everybody in town so I wanted to make sure that everybody kind of respected me you know for who I was and um so I did date someone um who was not from my site but kind of had connections there but it was secret the entire time uh and it was on and off you know there were times when it was not going well and it was kind of ended um so that it just made a very different experience because it was secret I think people suspected you know it's like such a small town and he's like visiting my house what are you what are you gonna assume can I ask you what his name is I would prefer not to use okay. his name just that's in fine. case yeah, I mean I'm totally pretty fine. sure that's like not it's not gonna get back to my site or anything but yeah. I'd prefer not to use his name totally cool um he actually also spoke English and had lived abroad a little while so he the I think the really positive part about it was that we could kind of share our experiences of, you know, living in the DR and then outside of the DR similarly, but from different lenses. Um, and that being able to share that, like if something happened to me, I'd be like, this happened, like what's going on? You know, like what, can you please explain this? And because he understood more my perspective, he could like explain what was, what was going on. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really great. Um, but it was kind of stressful keeping it under wraps, you know, and um, and it was always a, like kind of known from the beginning that it wouldn't continue afterwards. So th- those two things made it, I think, kind of tainted the experience because it, there was always like stipulations, you know. Uh, I still actually think it was the right way to go, though, just because I was I, I was teaching sex ed like day in and day out of my site. <laughs> And, and I was able to, um, you know, like people respected me, people asked me a lot of questions. And I think if they had known that I was dating someone, then it would have been more personal, you know, and it would have been uncomfortable probably for me and for them. Uh, so I was able to be more neutral in that respect. And, and I think that was for the better, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Well, I guess to, to kind of wrap up, um, if there's any words of wisdom you would give to, about, about dating and relationships in particular to someone who would be going into the Peace Corps? I think, and I don't know if this is just from 
it's definitely not just from my own experience, but seeing some of my friends who are in, like, really amazing relationships with people that they met while they were in Peace Corps, be it volunteers or, um, or, you know, Dominicans, I think it's, like, I think it's totally worth being open to it. And I think that's what a lot of us come in, like, thinking about the nun, you know, kind of thing, like, oh, no, it's not, it's just not going to happen, I'm just going to do this. I think it's definitely worth being open to, like, being open to any relationships here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's good to keep an open mind and kind of just be in the moment with it mm-hmm. and not think too much about, is this someone that I should or shouldn't marry or can be in a long-term, I think, in, you know, any relationship, Peace Corps or not, not to uh, prejudge it, just, you know, let it be what it's going to be, but do, you know, when you're at your site, be careful of your, you know, reputation and um, making sure that you're safe always mm-hmm. the most important mm-hmm. thing. As I was working on this podcast, I was just starting to date again back here in the U.S. I recorded the following segment with Andrew. We met through a dating app. Okay, so it's recording now? It's recording now, probably. So I'm chewing because we made pizza. That was really good. So just for the record, Lauren, what uh, what date is this? This number uh, number three? Yes, this is date number three. Which is, the, which is I believe, the pizza date, which is, yeah. which is how that works. I'm here at Subject A's house. I'm at Subject A on Coffee Meets Bagel. How we met each other. So I was telling Subject A, can I use your name? You want subject A. You know, that was really kind of tongue-in-cheek. Okay. I, I don't think I've done anything totally unbecoming that would meet... Like... Okay, Andrew, last name shall not be revealed. Um, I was Did telling I him, tell you my last name? I saw it in Oh, it's in my email. Mm-hmm. Never mind. That Alan was joking about recording a date, and he was like, well, I have this audio equipment in my backpack right here. Should we record? Why not? You know, I, I was a Boy Scout once. I'm always prepared, you know. Yeah. It's um, kind of crazy. But uh, we were we were discussing the different apps and websites. And while I was in the Peace Corps is when Tinder came out, when, all, when it became sort of like more mainstream and these apps came online and people started using them more and mm-hmm. they became sort of a big deal. And so coming back to that has been an experience. And I was mentioning... Some trends that I've seen among the males um, talking a lot about burritos. That, uh, that, that just tickles me so much. Yeah. In the, the open-ended question areas, they actively write about burritos. Like, looking for the best burrito in the bay. That, that doesn't pare anything down. No, it tells me nothing about you. You like burritos. Newsflash. All people of even <laughs> remote moral clarity... <laughs> Like burritos. Right, exactly. Well, what other trends have you seen with girls? Tranquilized tigers in Southeast Asia. <laughs> it's probably when it's at its snuggliest, uh-huh. when when you've just roofied it and now you're gonna <laughs> now you're gonna little spoon it. Terrible. What did we do on our first date? It was at the, the waterside oh, yeah. here called the Broadside Local. I was really nervous. In the sketchy part of town, which I didn't realize was really sketchy, but <laughs> yeah. actually it was... It was, like, out in the middle of nowhere. I drove up, and I was like, oh, God. 
what's going to happen. But fortunately, you know, if, if if your date shows up at a bicycle, like there's there's not a large trunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, when I got to this beer garden for our first date, I was super overwhelmed and I was feeling a lot of like reverse culture shock because it was really loud in there and everyone was yelling and it was dark and so I didn't go inside mm-hmm. and I just walked down the waterfront for a while and bided my time. I wasn't that late. No, you weren't late. I was a little bit early. Oh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. You were so like right on time. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so I just didn't want to have to go in there and find you for some reason. That just seemed mm-hmm. really overwhelming. So, okay. And, and that was how long after you got back? Um, let's see, four or five, four or five months. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was still um, a big shock. I'm, I guess I'm impressed that that a, a four-month period after that is still still overwhelming. Right, yeah, a lot of people are kind of surprised by that as well. And sometimes you feel like you kind of have to defend yourself. It's a really big transition, and sometimes, you know, it could take up to a year or more, or, you know, to really feel readjusted. And For me, part of it is because I didn't date in the Peace Corps, because mm-hmm. I didn't find anyone to date, and so I feel like I forgot how, mm-hmm. not that I really knew that well before the Peace Corps. On a scale of one to five, how would you rate your pre-Peace Corps suaveness? <laughs> oh, not good. One to five? Five being, like, James Bond level of suaveness. Oh my god, it's like a two. Oof. Yeah. You're doing fine. Yeah. I'm doing fine right now. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's good. I feel like I don't know the conventions, the dating conventions. Or... What's What's a dating convention that, like, or a moment where you're like, what happens now? Well, you know, like, what are the different expectations on X number date? I, I, I would not assume that those things existed. And then one of my friends will be like... Oh, date number three. Like oh. that's where the stuff happens. Yeah, and I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> I mean, we just made a pizza together. That was fairly intimate. Yeah. So there's things like that where I, I worry that I don't know certain expectations, which I guess don't really, doesn't really matter. Did you did you want to date in Panama? I would have. Um, I actually, you know, I thought kind of cute local guy. <laughs> Listen, I had an open mind, and I actually, I thought maybe, like, I would meet another volunteer who I would mm-hmm. like, um, but the ratio of males to females, first of all, and I found Panamanian men, particularly the ones that I was around in, like, rural areas that were maybe not as well educated or just not as exposed to other ideas as Panamanian men in the city might be. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a very strong machismo culture. Um, we were just not on the same page about... That's a very diplomatic way of putting it. I think <laughs> that was well, well done. Um, about gender roles, like I'm having a conversation with a man that I've never met before or talked to before, or even one I do know. Like, how long is it going to take until this gets to marriage? Yeah, because it's inevitably going to get to marriage, or whether I have a boyfriend or children or things like that. It's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. But how quick will this guy get there? There was this, there was this guy in my site in my community, and he was probably in his 30s, and he was. You know, unlike all other Panamanian men that I interacted with, like, rather shy about um, flirting with me. And so he would, we would pass each other every so often, and he would tell me how he was going to come visit me. You know, he promises he's going to come visit me in my house, because, you know, you just visit each other at your house. That's what you do. But he never did. And then, (laughs) literally two weeks before I'm going to leave my community for good, he shows up at my house. And sits on my porch 
and you know, I make I bring him some coffee or some tea, and it's like this really awkward silence. And we, he just brings up something about like the weather, or, like his cows, or the corn that he planted for like a mm-hmm. couple seconds. And then out of nowhere, he just he just says, "You know, a, a man is just not complete without a woman, is he?" Oh. And I was like. I don't know. He's gonna be living with his parents for so long. <laughs> so I, I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. And he was like, Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I work really hard all day in the field, like with my machete, and I come home and I'm really tired, and like I have to make my own dinner. You poor thing. Yeah. And he was like, But when you have a woman, you come home, dinner's already made. He's really selling it to you. Yeah, I mean, he was. I was. I was hooked. And um, dinner's already made. She's made you dinner, and like, you eat dinner together. At this point, I can see his wheels turning of what to say next. You eat dinner together, and then you go to sleep. <laughs> and then he's thinking really hard. You wake up the next day, you know, and do it again. Okay, so I can I can see how rural Panama might not be like a target rich environment. No. For for a uh, a young single. Nope. My brief time in AmeriCorps was similarly fruitless. Yeah. Uh, living in an actual ghost town with six people. I was number six. <laughs> yeah. So you can uh, relate. Yeah, yeah, not only feeling like physically isolated, but culturally and socially isolated. That's when dating is most important, like when you just want to... I don't know, it's nice to get to know someone that you have something in common with, and I can just imagine a situation where I am in a very different place for an extended period of time and not have anything that really reminds you of what you're comfortable with. Yeah, people respond to the isolation in really different ways. You know, some people responded by dating or hooking up with a ton of Panamanians or with other volunteers or having a long-term relationship or, you know, nothing at all. Or it's just interesting to see how that was a way of coping for some people. How did did you deal with that isolation? I got a dog. Looking back, I realized I was frustrated with my own loneliness in Peace Corps, and I think I wanted to judge people negatively for dating during service. But in talking with Kate and Brianna, I came to appreciate how dating a local could enrich the experience. After recording these interviews, I feel more at peace with my choices. No matter where on the planet we find ourselves, our love lives are shaped by circumstance, by random chance, and by the choices we make. Both being single and being with someone can open worlds. Dating in Peace Corps is no exception. It just tends to operate at extremes. And if you join Peace Corps, that's what you should expect. Thanks for listening to the Posh Corps podcast. This episode was produced and recorded by Lauren Schwartzman 